All right, this is The A. I'm Rez Clay. And Norman G. This is The A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We have a fantastic guest. Hold on for a second. Paige, you know, I forgot your last name. Paige. Oh, it's Rogers. Paige Rogers. Shame, shame on me. Paige Rogers. You are the director of Uncle Vanya, which will be at the uh, Cutting Ball Theater. Uh-huh. Um, when is the uh, runtime? And when it, when when do you guys open? Oh, my Lord. I, mm-hmm. it, we run, yeah, who knows? We open, I think, tw- uh, September 24th is the first preview. Uh-huh. 26th is the mm-hmm. first preview. Right and then on. it runs through to the end of October. Ooh, Fantastic. Nice. Yeah. We will definitely spend more time talking about yeah. it. And and we've been plugging it. Um, yeah, September 21 through October 21, and we have even a, uh, a plug on it. So, uh, Paige Rogers, so we're glad to have you. And Thank we're you. glad to have someone from the Cutting Ball Theater because, you know, we've been trying to get people on the show who represent different theaters within throughout the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So, it's great to have a uh, well, Cutting Ball. Awesome to be represented. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> totally appreciate it. Yeah. So as I begin uh, our podcast, although I may know because we, you and I have been spending most of the week together. We've been How's communicating week? daily. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this week we started rehearsals for four men. I'm sure we'll spend more time talking about that. Mm-hmm. So that does mean that communicating almost daily. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but I had an audition, and I don't think it went well because I haven't heard anything. And mm. they were saying they needed to get a rush on this. So I'm guessing that didn't go well. And I'm not going to say more about it than mm-hmm. that, but. I'm still um, keeping that's mobile life. Yeah. And then before we got on air, we were talking. I've been I've been about a month. I, I, I need to look at the exact date, but it's been about a month of me not drinking. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know how long that's going to be or, mm-hmm. you know, if it's for the rest of my life. I, I haven't really made that decision yet. But I I what made me decide to do it was having any resistance to the suggestion that I need to deal with drinking. Um, I felt this resistance come up, and I was like, ooh, what do I know about people who have a drinking problem? Mm-hmm. All the ways that they have to excuse it and to avoid it and deny. to justify uh-huh. and to deny. And I'm like, okay, so every one of those impulses that comes up in me, I need to not give it credence. I need to push, I need to push back on that. So I went, okay, so number one, let's stop drinking, and then we can figure out what's going on. You know – I know we usually talk about current events or whatever, but I'd like to sort of divulge into this because mm-hmm. I've known you for well over 10 years. I think we right. met. We yeah, were, we definitely met before yeah, that, yeah. We, um, we I don't want to say competed, but we were after the same role yeah. at the Douglas Morrison Theater uh, Statements a long time ago, 2003, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how we met. And then you had casted me in, uh, it was a word Richard for a reading. Yeah. Well, even before then, if uh. you remember, uh, it was um, – the uh, the the city I want to say the city club they usually have these book readings oh uh huh you had me in one of those oh, and that was yes. our first time meeting but I've never known you I don't consider you as an alcoholic I, you know right. when I think about alcoholism I think about and I've had family people in my family it's like mm-hmm. my mom who passed right. away uh, mm-hmm. I had an uncle Mike who uh, had a very serious drinking problem. Mm-hmm. Who, and they were not in control. They couldn't hold on to a job. You know, mm-hmm. you could see them, you know, slurring their words. I mean, right. they were just an embarrassment. And, the, you know, when I think of Norman G., I think of someone who's in absolute control, <laughs> who is a director, is an actor, who, you know, continually, you know, finds uh, jobs. Teaching artists. <laughs> teaching artist, model. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how in the world can you do all of that and be in, and be in control and, and be in, you can't. 
But think I of all the stories you've seen. I mean, for mm -hmm. me, it's mostly movies that I know. I've read yeah. some books. And, yeah, feel free to jump in at any point. Yeah, yeah. It's um, what we see are the stories of people who either do mm -hmm. really good job of hiding it or people who can't recognize the problem they're having and as their life totally, totally falls apart or mm -hmm. almost falls apart. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, I so don't need to get that far down the road before yeah. I get a wake-up call. Yeah. Well, and also if you're related to someone, yeah. um, that's just – that's a whole other story, you know, mm -hmm. especially someone, as you said, Norman, who's mm -hmm. like utterly in denial. Right. Then I, I keep <coughs> checking myself. Oh, I'm an alcoholic. No, I think I'm going to be – and then, I, you know, my family keeps saying to me, my, you know, nuclear family, no, right. no. Right. No. Right. You're okay. Don't worry about it. But it's just a lifelong thing of I have to protect myself because I inherited those genes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so – and we live in this country where what we consider normal, mm -hmm. like yeah. the driving, you know, the deaths and accidents that are uh, – drunk driving that are constant, that are tens of thousands every year, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's insane numbers. And as a, com as a culture, as a society, we don't say, wow, that's unacceptable. We need to stop that. Because I used to consider myself a non-drinker. I rarely drank. Huh. And I hated every time I ended up in some community where there was a checkpoint. Mm. One of those, you know, yeah. we're just going to sobriety checkpoint. And I'm like, if you're seriously wanting to stop the drunk people, sit outside the bars. And everybody who comes stumbling out of the <laughs> bar, stop them right there and deal with it. Yeah. Why are you stopping me on the road going about my business? Yeah. Hoping to sift through and catch a few drunk drivers. Yeah. If you really want to catch them, catch them, follow them to their car. You saw them stumble out of the bar. They go to their car. As soon as they pull out their keys, mm -hmm. yeah. boom, just get it. So as a culture, we sort of say basically it's okay. A certain level of drunkenness in our society is okay. It's okay. It's true. That and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying I know for me personally I need to set the bar higher. <laughs> well, you know, here's the deal, though, is that – when that, all that hullabaloo came with, with uh, Uber, yeah. remember when yes. they're like, oh, the, oh yeah, close Uber down. It's not fair. It's not fair to text driver, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I kept hanging on to, oh, please, please have Uber be okay because yes. I know so many people who say, we're going to ferry. I, I live in the north, but I live in Fairfax. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to ferry in and take an Uber home. And right. we'll be safe drivers. And and, right. and it's true, except that I was coming off of uh, 80 into the city mm -hmm. where you kind of dump out into the downtown there. Right. And there was a Lyft driver in front of me who was smoking a joint with his – we all had our windows down. And right. his smoke was poofing back to me, you know. Right. And I was like, is he going to pick people up now? You know, so <laughs> what, I was just worried about the driver himself being, right. you know. And I did take a photo of his license. I sent it mm -hmm. to Lyft. I'll just tell you right now. I did. Oh, good, good. Um, but many, many times people now are able to not get in the car. And mm -hmm. I think that's such a blessing. And I'm right. so thankful to Lyft and Uber for that I service. I am too. Yeah. Uh, and and self-driving cars, people are like, well, that's going to be dangerous. And, and I said it to I just said it to my wife yesterday. Um, I will guarantee you when self-driving cars become a thing, Accidents will go way down, down way down. She's yeah. like, you don't think that there will be pedestrians that get hit? I'm like, um, I do think pedestrians will be get, get hit in lower numbers than they are now, now. because now it's distracted drivers yeah. Yeah. hitting pedestrians as well as pedestrians stupidly stepping into traffic. Yep. On their cell phones. Yeah. 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 So both those things are happening. The side of the equation that is the driver, that's going to reduce reduce and right now we're trying mm -hmm. to create it to zero which i think is an unfair standard 
when you compare to what we have now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, I, I think th- that we have this we normalize a level sure. of drunkenness that I'm like, yeah, oh, no, we I, can I, like, like the catch word buzz. I'm like, well, you right. just, I'm just buzzed. Just buzz. Right. You've seen that poster that says buzz driving is drunk driving? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I said to my children as we're, they're both teenagers, you know, mm-hmm. by, yeah, take, take a look at that right there. Take a look at that. Right. But, like, I've had discussions with my daughter. How are you – when's – did you – you guys – well, how, how long ago? Well, so when do you think you're going to drive? Can you – how long has it been? You know, right. I'm like this right. sort of debating. And, you know, I will – let me drive you there and you take an Uber or home you know right. this yes. just helps me out so much this this idea but you know i i also think i was sober for three years mm-hmm. and it there i was mad i was kind of <laughs> mad for three years i was sort of resentful of everybody around me who was just had two drinks in them and just started to loosen up and right. have a good time you know and right. i was like even though i did feel better physically i felt yeah. better um but I, I was resentful, and my husband mm-hmm. said, y- and you weren't fun either. And I was like, hmm, that's, yeah. that's well, not that's, good. And so, you know, since we live in a state where marijuana is legal, I will, I will admit my marijuana use has jumped because I wasn't really smoking. Like, I'm digging up old weed because <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like, where is my weed? Let me find that. And what I found is a lot of situations where I would normally drink, where would have normally been uh, drinking. I just smoke instead. No, I don't. Oh, I thought don't? I would. And what I ended up finding was I was like, wait a minute. So this is a social setting or this is a like if maybe, you know, I was going to have a, a cocktail before I was going to go off and have a meeting or something. Uh-huh. Well, a cocktail to do that, you know, that's a little bit of a social lubricant, whatever. Sure. Uh, but I can handle, like you said, people mm-hmm. who know me like, well, Norman, I don't see you as somebody who has a problem. I'm like, well, I think there was a lot of it I was really good at hiding. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, let's, uh. let's not even go there. Uh, but – I know that if I get high and I go into that same situation, it's going to affect my perception. It's going to affect the way I communicate, and I don't want Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. So let's say out of five times that I before would have been a time when I would have been drinking, I'm finding that maybe two of those feel appropriate for me getting high. So I'm not doing it. And then the other times, I go to the piano bar weekly. I go at least once a week. Wait, you guys, what's a piano bar? You mean Martini's? Alley. No, 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 no. Over here in Oakland on Grand Avenue is the Alley. It's the Alley. A, it's called the Alley. It's, it's been a piano bar for decades. I um, know. Rod Dibble just died last year, had been playing, not there, but he'd been playing piano bars for over 50 years. Yeah, I, I remember him. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, that place. Okay. Um, and I go regularly. And it used to be that I was drinking. So now I'm sitting around with a bunch of people, maybe for two or three hours, and I'm drinking. watching them drink, yeah. and I, I'll have my Diet Coke, mm-hmm. and then I will let the ice melt, and then I will refill with water because I just don't need another Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching people have two or three drinks or more, and I'm like, okay, sometimes I notice and where you that's a you're problem. Not, you're not mad? Well, sometimes <laughs> I run out to my car and I get high. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you feel like it, yeah, yeah. If I feel like I'm missing out on yeah. something. But like I said, still, even in that situation, I would say it's really running like two out of five mm. that I'm like, no, two out of five times I'll get high. The other three times I either just hang out and I'm okay or I go home. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I did a song and no, I'm not going to wait for another song. I'm mm-hmm. going home. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed it also. I went out with an old friend. And we got together. It was a Friday. You know, it was happy hour. Yeah. Um, so we got together. I walked in. He was having a beer. I got a Diet Coke. He got another beer. He got me another Diet Coke. 
Um, he got another beer. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm nursing this one already. I'm not even keeping pace with you. He got like four or five beers in the time that we visited. Yeah. Normally, I would have been pacing him. I would have at least been within a drink of what he was drinking. Ah. And I'm noticing that he's getting a little happy. He's mm -hmm. getting a little sloppy. Yeah. He's getting a little slurred. It's not really affecting our communication. I'm still having a good time, and I'm enjoying him. But, Norman, I, I would get judgy. If someone starts to get I happy, and I was like, oh, I can't believe, you know, they're just not even making much sense anymore. <laughs> you know, and then I get judgy, like, aren't we be supposed to be here to chat? Right. But if I had been drinking with them, I just would have gotten slurry and fun with them. Right. You know? So it was, I thought socially it was very, very difficult to be, to be completely, I completely think I may sober. go back. I think I may go back, but I, I'm, I'm assuming I will go back to drinking. I'm just assuming I'm going to shift how it happens. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, my think is you have to, you you know, my, I think about my dad. My dad, mm -hmm. and, you know, and uh, he'll be out here when uh, we uh, do Foreman in Paris. Um, but we, I remember we talked about, he had asked me one day, this was after I came out of college, you drink? And I'm like, no, not really. He's like, you've never, like, felt, because he was talking about drinking because you're emotionally upset. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, nothing's nothing's taking you to the, the bar to drink, you know, like a mm -hmm. breakup or whatever. It's like, no, not really. It's like, trust me, one day it's going to happen. Why? Uh, happen. Why do you say that? <laughs> well, just, I mean, who knows? I don't know if it's a cultural thing or whatever, but, right. you know, we, we've talked about what it is growing up being black, let's say, in the ghetto or, mm -hmm. you know, in very precarious situations. You know, what do you do to cope with that? Mm -hmm. I had an uncle who fell in love with a woman, walked in one day, woman was cheating on him. Oh. And he just fell into the bottle and never left. And oh, he never? Yeah. yeah. And oh. uh, he just was just perpetually drunk. I mean, really, yeah. really drunk. Yeah. Well, uh, I have to admit something. I, I'm sorry that you lost your mommy because you said yeah. you mm -hmm. don't have her anymore. I yeah. lost mine this this summer. Oh, no. This summer? Just, uh, you know, like five five weeks ago. And uh, so I'm still like, whoa. I mean, I and still you were already like on the schedule for the show you're doing, so wow. you had to make that decision. Well, and, you know, it's so funny because I feel, I feel so like I just don't want to engage. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just kind of want to be internal and kind of sure. be quiet. Right. So even running rehearsal to me is, is an effort to – Hey y'all, welcome! <coughs> and this is what we're sure, doing today. And sure. you know, because I, I, I told a friend yesterday, I feel like I've been in a clothes dryer. My mother was very ill and getting sicker and sicker, and it was just yeah. a big, big yeah. thing. But afterwards, my whole family was in in Italy. We had this trip, and my father said to me, "You go, you go with your family." And I said, "No, no, I'll be here with you." Because it was just a couple of days after my mother passed. Yeah. And and I, and he said, "No, go. I want you to go." Mm -hmm. So I went, and here we were, this beautiful. We were on a beach. We were in Italy. It was so fun. And y'all, I just I started to drink at like noon, mm -hmm. noon, and I had never done that in my entire life yeah. ever. Yeah, e either a pre cocktail or a cocktail with dinner or a cocktail after dinner, but not not like full alcoholism, yeah. you yeah. know. And mm -hmm. so, but you know what? I my fa my teenagers and my husband were like, it's okay. You know, just yeah. do what you have mm -hmm. to do yeah. to get through. Because I was just, just deeply in mourning. And yeah. my daughter had a friend with us. That was hard to have a stranger yeah. with a family. Then yeah. my f my husband's father came to visit, and he's suffering from dementia. And I was like, trigger, trigger. You know, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it <laughs> was just yeah. misery. Oh, but goodness. but misery in Italy on yeah. a beach, you know. So yeah. that's mm -hmm. not that miserable, you know. Yeah. So, but... I, then when I got home, I was worried because, mm. you know, I come from alcoholism yeah. and I was worried that I would continue. Yeah. No. Good. I go back. You know, I drink every five days about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, Norman and I, we have a mutual friend who is also going to the same. In fact, mm -hmm. he entered rehab 
earlier this week, and he was telling me how wonderful it is that he addressed the situation. I compared it to being on a train that's going into a dark place and getting off the train, mm -hmm. realizing you know, you're getting off at, at, a, at the correct time. Mm. And I think for those who realize that there, there's a problem, maybe that you're not an alcoholic, but you don't want to get, you don't want to go there. Right. You know what the next destination is. Right. Um, so I think, you know, that that's a wonderful thing to recognize that, you know, this is the time to get off. Well, that's, and I love the AA model, mm -hmm. which is to say, I am an alcoholic. Yeah. Let's define it as, and, and, I'm not totally on board with it. I don't feel like I need to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do AA. I do think it makes sense to go, I can do, in the same way I deal with age. Mm -hmm. I will be 59. Wow. And people are like, mm -hmm. oh, you don't look 59. And I'm like, you need to get your eyes checked because this is what 59 looks like. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't look that bad to you. No, mm -hmm. you don't look 59. <laughs> you don't. This is, this is yeah. 59. I promise you. I this look is older than you. Like. I'm eight years younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I feel like alcohol is similarly. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be in the gutter slurring for you to go, okay, that's an alcoholic. No, I maybe I'm a coping alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm really good at managing my alcoholism. Yeah. I, you know, I would rather take that identity on mm -hmm. and then deal with it, yeah. manage it, mm -hmm. than pretend to myself, oh, no, I don't have a problem. There's not a bottle of booze in the back in my, in my mm -hmm. trunk. Yeah. Well, right? Because that to us means, well, that's a real alcoholic. Right. Someone who has hidden bottles and, you know. Sure, sure. Right. I, I was in a 12-step program for, for food addiction. Mm -hmm. and, and they, it was a rule that you couldn't drink. So I was like, well, oh, okay, you know, I guess I guess I won't. I mean, because mm -hmm. I, I really want yeah. to do this program, you know. But then in doing so, I realized, mm, how do I use this as mm -hmm. a coping mechanism? As well? I mean, it is right. food, right? I'm putting that in quote marks. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was it, – I'm glad. I'm very glad I did it. And it mm -hmm. was hard. I needed the support of the group. Right. Really? <laughs> really? It was hard, you know, especially because, you know, I ran a theater company at that time and, like – all the social events are around. Mm -hmm. sure. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. No, oh. that's the day after I decided I wasn't going to do it. I went to a rehearsal and it was at somebody's house. And as soon as we all got there, okay, well, I've got snacks for you all. And I have red wine and white wine. Who wants wine? Everybody, Everybody. got up and walked into the kitchen. Everybody. And I'm sitting there with my Coke. Mm -hmm. I'm like, mm -hmm. I have a diet Coke yeah. jack in the box. Well, and then isn't there also the thing if you decline, everyone thinks, are you, are you an alcoholic? Right. Or? Well, nobody seemed to notice. Nobody said anything, but I was like, oh, and I knew it because, um, what's his name? Louise Seguar, um, back in the day, rest in peace, yeah, Louise, but yeah. um, was an, an, you know, was an alcoholic, somebody who identified as an alcoholic and hadn't drunk in years, oh. apparently the whole time I knew him. And I didn't know that. I had known him for years and partied with him for years, been to people's houses, been to, and you, you know, never even stuff. knew, um, went to bars, never knew we were in a bar one night and I was feeling, I was feeling like that special guy who I have a little extra money in my pocket because I had a day job at the time. So I'm like, I got paid. I've got money. You Let me around. get you a drink. Yeah. And he says, oh, I think he said no or, you know, just a Coke. And I was like, no, 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 dude. Let me get you a drink. Really? What do you want? Anything? And he's like, mm -hmm. oh. And he finally, like, I kind of cornered him. And he finally said, well, I, I, I don't drink. I went, I was so shocked. But see, the my food addiction program would always say, People, you notice yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh, people are noticing me because mm -hmm. everyone's so self-referential. No one notices if you've right. got a beer or not. Right. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, exactly. everyone. Well, is. and I noticed after watching him afterwards. 
dude would come out and party. Maybe he'd call in an early evening before everybody got to the slurry mm. place. Yeah. But he'd come out and he'd have a perfectly good time. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. That I can do. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how the commercialization, how drinking is so embedded yeah. in oh. our society? I mean, well, the way smoking used to be. Sure. Yeah, that's true, right? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, like go on a date, like, you know, especially in the evening oh, yeah. and not order anything or let's say hang out with friends. Even the commercials, you know, this mm-hmm. is sponsored by Budweiser, mm-hmm. right. the king of beers, yeah. and all that stuff. And but drink responsibly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah they always <laughs> put not that. while you're pregnant. Yeah. We want you to buy a lot there. of our product, but just use a little of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Don Secchi's and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, and this is marketed to, like, kids, you know, like. To all of us, to the yeah. whole culture. I mean, yeah. football season's beginning. You know, of yeah. course they're going to be tailgating uh-huh. and, you know, and. Yeah, I think about your kids who are entering college for the first time, right? Oh, yeah. Paige? Yeah, where? Yeah. Where? She, she's going to McAllister College in St. Paul. My husband and I are both oh, from, we're both Minnesota? from Minnesota. Right on. You don't sound like Minnesota. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I so do. Yeah. People know it, too. Um, <laughs> but I sent her to camp there for five summers, so she knows from Minnesotans, and she, mm-hmm. you know, she she's happy. She's happy. Oh, good. No, we're, fantastic. So, we're so glad. But when I think about first year in I college. I the colleges are great there. Oh, yeah, they're great. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the winters aren't. Let me tell you. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, she no, is scared. You know, she's terrified. Mm-hmm. And we're working on, like, we got her the b- I said, now, do you care about fashion where boots are concerned? She was like, hell no. Just get me the warmest boots right. that you mm-hmm. possibly So we did. You know, like, we Fantastic, went, yeah. yeah. Isn't that where Carlton is? Yes, exactly. Yeah, so I had a friend, a high school friend who went to Carlton, and that was the first time I'd heard. I said, so how do you deal with the winter? And she's like, well, the buildings are connected by tunnels. And I went, yeah. That is so smart. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. I, right. Suddenly I realized, wait a minute, that's a whole culture that knows that. It's not like they just do that at wow. colleges. Right, right. Wait, uh, where were you, were you raised in California? I was raised in California, Southern Cal. Okay. So, yeah, you, yeah all right. So you're a Californian by yeah. Well, I, in, I'm born in Indiana. So oh, I oh. grew up with snow until I was nine, and then we were freed. Mm-hmm. Now I live someplace where you can go visit. You want to see snow? Three hours. Go that way. Okay. Where in Indiana? In Indianapolis. In Indianapolis. Yes. Are the Jacksons from Indianapolis? No, Gary. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I just remember, you know, teen magazines but we and showing them at home. We moved the same year. <laughs> you did? So our little family, and it was just my mom mm-hmm. and four kids, and we moved to Southern California the same year they that did. they did? Yes. Wow. So as all that was blowing up for them, we were like, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow, that's interesting. Which was what year? Is it, if, if 69. In 69. 1969, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Midwest to the West Coast is a big, big heat. It, you know, yeah. That's, that's like, whoa. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. Different, world. different world. Alleys. The number one thing I missed was alleys. I love alleys. Oh. I love alleys so much. It was the way you went. Okay, <laughs> go to the store. We'll cut through the alley. You can go through so-and-so's yeah. yard. And the store is across the street mm-hmm. from there. And private things can happen in alleys. Yeah. Like, you, you know, oh, like, yeah. Did, yeah, you grow, right. did you grow up with alleys in D.C.? Yeah, yeah. There were plenty of alleys in Washington, D.C. And they weren't as, uh, I mean, when I think about San Francisco now, unfortunately, I mean, the homeless population is just blown mm. up. Oh, yeah. Where, you Every, know, where just, yeah. it's just, but it wasn't as, I mean, D.C. was bad, I mean, especially after the aftermath of King's assassination. Right. S- you know, cities were burned and they weren't right. rebuilt. Rioting, yeah. And so also, so, but you did have alleys. So I caught, cut through here. Yeah. I think I went to a junior high, no, it was uh, elementary school. There were a series of alleys. I right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take the alleyway. Which, which yes. were as long as streets. Right. Yeah. 
and just cut across, and they were clean. Totally. And it gets you right, and it gets you out of traffic. Yeah. You know, the only people pulling in the alley are people who are going to their garage or coming from the garage. And you know a lot of them. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. You get to know people. You know people's yards. Uh Uh You know what their garage looks like. But say something about when Dr. King was killed, because I what happened? I don't. Well, so this is a little bit of history, but uh, this Mm -hmm. happened really in all major cities. But King was assassinated. And black people were revolting, you know, just yeah, burned. It I remember, exploded. Yeah, I yeah. remember an episode of, I think it was, um, oh, um, we're moving on up. Um, Good Jefferson? Times. Oh, the Jefferson, Jefferson, Jefferson. right. Where um, there's an episode where they talk about, I guess, you know, like uh, them just, you know, they live in a nice high-rise apartment. Yeah. Right. And George Jefferson just goes insane when he hears about King being assassinated. Mm-hmm. And he flips out and he starts burning things and he just goes out in the street or whatever. Oh, wow. It was one of those special episodes uh-huh. to sort of tell huh. people this is what happened. This is what right. it was. Oh. Right. And so when I grew up in Washington, D.C., there would be places like 14th and U Street, Northwest uh-huh. D.C., which is now really clean. Uh-huh. Right. Um but was just devastated. I mean, just right. burnt out buildings. I yeah. remember going to a movie theater. My right. mom would always take me to these B horror movie theaters mm-hmm. and these B you know uh, movie places. And right. um, there would be like a rat that would just you know run across. What? Right. And it was sort yeah. of like the a normal, the new normal. And I was like, wow, this is just how life is. Yeah. This is life. Wow. And we lived in a nice a six room apart, a six room uh, house. Mm-hmm. But it was still sort of in the ghetto because, you know, walk uh, one block away. Right. And it's just burnt out. It's, it's as if the tenderloin mm-hmm. were like, I don't know, seven, eight blocks or nine blocks, you know, just. But had been a normal neighborhood and then became that. I mean, that's that's exactly. the era of white flight, what they call white flight. Exactly. The whole middle class, everybody. Because I've seen it in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I was doing a theater project on Third Street. Mm-hmm. And. Um, it one of the, we did a series of things. One of them was sponsored by a group of community guys. These were all like old guys. These are guys 60s, 70s years old. They had been raised in that neighborhood, but during that era, mm-hmm. they were raised well. They got jobs. They moved out to Antioch, Pittsburgh. You know, they moved to Walnut Creek. They moved to nice places, yeah. and that's where they now live. But they heard that Third Street was losing its identity, and they wanted to support wow. it. So they came back in. They were so funny, yellow windbreakers. But when they got up and started talking, that's exactly what they started talking about. It wasn't just the white people who got the hell out of all these cities. These cities burned, and everybody who had money went, let me get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for the kids, like us kids, we were like, we didn't know, and no one mm-hmm. really told us the history behind it. Like, why there's so many burned out buildings? Mm-hmm. It's oh. like, hey, this is life. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is what it is. Fortunately, I went. My parents owned. My grandparents owned a farm uh-huh. in Maryland because they had. Um, w- so when my grandfather, they basically migrated from the deep south right. to DC. There, a lot of DC residents are second, third generations who have been there. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, so they still owned a farm because right. you know they were. Could you go out there in the summer? That's exactly what we did. Oh. Yeah. And it was like, wow, this is, you know, we see trees. There's right. no yeah. traffic. Yeah. Right. And I, I was a little freaked out. I was like, wow, I, I can't go to a corner store. <laughs> this is like nature. <laughs> right. And it was a wonderful thing. It just I'll shows bet. me how you can sort of be grown up in a particular environment. Right. I'll bet. And be sort of indoctrinated by the environment and not mm-hmm. see what's outside. You know, I was uh, I was raised in Minneapolis and in the city. In the city. And okay. my husband's also from the state of Minnesota, and he was raised in a little posh suburb. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. so he detests it when I say, he's from Edina and I'm from Minneapolis. And he's mm-hmm. always like, why do you always say that? And I said, 
Well, I went to Minneapolis Public School my entire life. Mm-hmm. I went to Prince's High School. Just saying. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. And it was a matter of great pride because mm-hmm. he was even quite right. you know, well-known. Even He's a little little bit older than, than I am. Right. But, but in, in going to public school and being engaged in that level, we came from a part of the city that was mostly white. And we, uh, m- uh, the majority of my friends went to a magnet school, which is in another part of the city. Uh-huh. And, you know, what's interesting now is all my friends I grew up with mm-hmm. – including myself, yeah. we send our kids to private schools. Uh, uh-huh. And we went to public school right. our entire lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, K through 12. Right. And so that's why, I don't know if you guys know, but I started an education program at Cutting Ball about three years ago. No. Cause, yeah, because the Tenderloin has more kids than any other district. No, I know. Isn't that incredible? To I, I did a summer program there once. I taught in a summer program there once. And it was amazing to me, but also the immigrants – uh, oh. That's what's crazy to me is Huge these population. little immigrant families are mixed into all the craziness that is in the tenderloin. Yeah, and they and they can be conservative. Some of these, you know, yeah. especially some of the Muslim <laughs> families. We've got the East Asian families, but I, I mean, you don't see a lot of kids because they they don't they're not just wandering around the tenderloin. They can, mm-hmm. right? So we just partnered up with Demeriac Academy and Tenderloin Boys and Girls and mm-hmm. Larkin Street Youth Services. And I, but here's the funny thing, you guys. I was like. I am running cutting ball now. This was like three and a half years right. ago. I am going to start this because I had a public school education and I had right. all, and I'm not kidding either. My parents are not theater people. Like uh-huh. they, we didn't even go see Christmas Carol. You know, okay. we, they're music people, but like oh. I wouldn't have had any theater if it hadn't been for my public school upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We were bust out to theater. They brought theater into us. They right. brought artists in to work with nice. us, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I contact all three of these organizations say, hey, you want to talk about having some theater? You know, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. Rep- no reply. I email again. No reply. I find like, hey, y'all, I'm hitting the pavement, I say to the staff. You know, I'm going to just hit the pavement and try to knock, knock, knock. Just sat there sometimes for half an hour. Mm -hmm. Well, he's not here. And I was like, that's okay. I'll just wait. I'm just okay. Until someone came out and said, oh, (laughs) well, you know, I I will talk to you. I'm just super. And what I found out was, A, all of us who work for nonprofits in the Tenderloin are way overworked. Right, of course. just have way too much on our plates. But, B, I found out. I just – I was so sure that they would have theater programs. Or when mm-hmm. have you had theater before? Now, Tenderloin Boys and Girls, for their little kids, did have a program through ACT. Right. But only if they could keep five kids in that class. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the population of the Tenderloin, it's, right. it's a fluctuating yeah. uh, community. And so, anyway, I just said, no, I want to I wanna be a consistent presence. I can swear we will be a consistent right. presence. Mm-hmm. And so we just started to just get groups Come have dinner with us in the office, mm-hmm. go see a show, and then have a private talk back with the actors and the crew afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the kids, I mean, their their remarks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. were unbelievable. From the little kids all the way up to the older Larkin Street kids. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they, just so insightful. And the actors just could not wait. In that first year, I had to ask all the actors to do it pro bono. We didn't have any uh-huh. budget. Right, right. We had to give the tickets away. We didn't have any budget right, to pay right. for those tickets. We, yeah. You know, we, we asked, you know, Chipotle, please, you know, can you donate? And they and they did. Um, and you know what? We, we found that kids uh, that – Kids who come from the Tenderloin actually are hungry mm-hmm. for yeah. creativity, yeah. for for thinking out of the box. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And instead of, you know, the things that people are concerned about for Tenderloin kids. Are right. you eating? Are you in school? Do you have right. job training? You know, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So the funny thing is, is one, one of our partners, and I won't say who, 
I said, I'm so sorry, we're too busy to come. This was just last year. And mm. I said, oh, I'm so bummed because they would have loved this show. Okay. The time passes and he called me up. He goes, hey, when's your next show? I, I said, well, it's not till next October. And he said, well, I'm going to sign up now. Mm. I was like, you have never signed up this early. He said, I had three kids come by my desk and said, when are we going to that cutting ball show? Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I said, I turned it down because we're so busy. And they were like, no, mm. no. We gotta go, you know. So yeah. it means it means right. a, a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Them. I didn't know Cutty Ball was doing that. That's great. Well, we don't talk about it too much. So everyone, somebody said to me, "Can you just talk on the radio?" You know, oh, when you're I'm gonna with beat Reg you up about this. Well, you I'm know why? It's because I just hate y'all. I hate it when people brag about something that they actually aren't doing a lot mm-hmm. of, but they say they are. Yeah. And so I just said, let's no, I know, percolate. I know. Let's just Central get Works does a similar thing, and, and I try to kick their butts about it as well. What's funny is we were talking about grant writing, mm-hmm. and I and they didn't get some grant. Yeah. And I was like – and that was – I was running Oakland Public Theater, and I was getting cash grants like crazy. I yeah. got like four or five cash grants. Yeah. And I was like, well – it's easy to get it because I can point out how I'm doing something nobody else is, is doing. doing. Mm. You know, I'm sorry, but there just isn't enough, mm-hmm. you know, and we're better. But, you know, people of color representation, we're not we're not hitting the numbers that are, reflect our community. Yep. Let's just say it that way. Yep. And funders, when you put it to them that simply, they go, oh, oh God, <laughs> well, wait a minute. Because lots yeah. of people say that, and you know, like, well, there's not enough Shakespeare in my neighborhood. Well, then go two blocks over. I'm sorry. In this, in the Bay Area right now, I could probably name ten Shakespeare festivals yeah. all over the place. Yeah. So you know, no, you you're not going to validate that. But when I say black, yeah, you start counting, and you're not going to get off of one hand. Mm-hmm. So it was easy. But but Central Works goes out of their way, like the show they just, I think they just closed, uh, King of Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Latino, and that was their second Latino show, I think, this season, definitely mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, they have black actors. I've been on their stage. They have black actors regularly. Yeah. Um, not everybody is doing it. So when you don't acknowledge that when you're, that your theater company is doing at least that much, yeah. you don't have to say you're solving the whole problem. But if you don't acknowledge how much you're doing, one, the funders don't realize, oh, wait, <laughs> right. we should throw you some money. But two... You're not taking credit for something that you honestly believe in. Well, no, no, that's true. And Lord knows I do believe in it because, as I say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in theater if it wasn't for the education I got in the public school system. I, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. which was free. Right. 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 I mean, I, I went to children's theater school that was paid for by the district. I went to dance class five times a week after school. So and that you was started early. For. I started very early. When? Oh, I did my first and show. Origin story. Fourth yeah. grade, yeah. And then um and then through the public school system in fifth grade a mime troupe came to work with our, our oh. it was junior high five through eight. Mm-hmm. And like I got the lead and I was the girl <laughs> Yeah. The girl You know, and it cha- it just <laughs> literally changed my entire 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 life. I was st- I was um at a conference last two mm-hmm. two years ago with the head of um the Mixed Blood Theater in, in Minnesota. I don't know if you ever heard of Mixed Blood. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's a, it's a wonderful theater company that special that, and he has been in business for forty some. I, mean, I think forty oh, years. Wow. But it's basically they're the first ones ever to do uh, Maria Irene Fornes, bringing oh. the voices of non-Caucasian theater makers into mm-hmm. the Twin Cities, and mm-hmm. it's located in an area that really is is um, um, able to be uh, attended by a lot of folks. And so I was, si- I was sitting with that man at a conference, and I said, you know, I just remember so well being in sixth grade, mm-hmm. and Mixed Blood brought a, a, a P- 
piece to Ann Watton Middle School, and I remember we weren't prepared for it. It was a, it was a bit of a difficult piece to understand. And the woman playing the lead, and I could still see her, very tall, thin, very short hair, mm -hmm. uh, African-American woman. She broke character, and she came to the edge of the stage, and she said, you all are being so rude. You're talking during this performance, and I was just mortified, <laughs> mortified <laughs> that that we were so bad that she had to break character right. and come and reprimand us. You know, he said, oh, that was, he told me the name of the actor. He said that was 1978 in, uh, you know, in right. September. He remembered it like it was yesterday because he was running the sound in the back of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? That's incredible. Jack Ruler is his name. He's the artistic director of Mixed Play. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, it's good for him to hear. Here I am, like an oldie, you know, in the mm -hmm. theater world. And I, I, that's deeply important to me, that experience of mm -hmm. going, seeing Mixed Blood's work, of course, but then having that, that experience and having mm -hmm. her talk directly yeah. to us. <laughs> why, why did, why, what, what brought you to theater? I mean, I know you forget as, as young, but what, yeah. you know, you could have done it and then said, okay, that's enough. Let me go do a, a regular job or, or what that's have a you. Good, that's a good yeah. question. You know what? I was raised by my mother to be an opera singer and oh, I, I did, wow. I went that route. I was, I was, I was all good with that. But then I always would do that theater at the same time. And she was like, oh, that's good. But anyway, I've, you know, you're going to do this uh -huh, contest right. and you're going to, you know. And um, I just, after a while, was like, these singers can't act at all. Right. And I was so disgusted by it, you know, because here I am trying to be in an opera and trying to, it, 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 like, say this woman is ready to kill herself. Right. You know? Right. I mean, really, you're standing there like, you, why Why are you just standing there? You know, I mean, like, mm -hmm. you, you need right. to move. You know, we had a, right. and, you know, I don't know if you know the opera singer Maria Callas. She yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Right, yeah. so she was always known for being such a good actor, and yeah. I just combed through all of her stuff, and she was a good actor. Okay. Yeah. And some of the snotty people were like, well, hit her voice. Did you see Is it Masterclass, her? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah well, uh, we had uh, our good friend Michael Greenlee, uh -huh. who played, who did Masterclass. Oh, yeah. I didn't it was a couple of years that. ago. Wow. And he's the, yeah. yeah, the pianist guy. No, no, no. no she, uh, it's a woman, Michaela. Michaela Greeley. She played Maria Callas oh. in a play. I think it was called Masterclass. Yeah, Masterclass oh, is the Maria yeah. Callas play. And uh, she won, I think she won a, B, um, a TVA award for it. Oh. Yeah. But in any case, I remember uh, Maria Callas. I don't want to. Uh, anyway, so she's, yeah. a, she's an outstanding actor. Yeah. But, you know, it really wasn't a. I, I was a presidential scholar in, in theater, in the mm -hmm. arts. There were like 20 of us in the arts. True. So it was kind of like everyone, it was just expected, you mm -hmm. know. But I, have, I do have a funny story. So sure. when I was mm -hmm. a junior in high school, uh, my, uh, there was a, a class that you could take and be like apprenticed somewhere. Sure. So I thought, oh, I, I want to do this. And every, uh, I remember being in this class, and everyone's like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to have an apprenticeship. And the teacher said to me, all right, Paige, what do you want? You want Minnesota Opera or you want the Guthrie Theater? And I said, oh, I want neither of those because the rest of my life's going to be spent on those. I said, could I be apprenticed? to an obstetrician and she said uh, oh sh okay <laughs> let me work on that well so somebody knew somebody and there was this little old chubby guy and he just took me around mm. and like we went to the hospital I saw I'm like I put that white coat on I'm mm -hmm. acting you know I'm, yeah. I'm older than 17 you know right. and we I mean I won't say what we saw because mm -hmm. it will freak some people out but it was one of the funnest things I ever did so then huh. well so anyway I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm only going to tell my original story yeah. so then Mm -hmm. I meet my husband, yes. yes, and we were at college, but we were both from the state of Minnesota, and right. then we start to get real serious, and then I meet his family, and blah, 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 and then I realize, talking to my future mother-in-law, well, who's your obstetrician? She says, oh, it's, it was the man that I was apprenticed with. Wow. Uh -huh. Isn't that how, he Small delivered world, my huh? husband. Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
That's incredible. And both of my sisters in law, I love it so much. Yeah, and he was just fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) So you. I'm always interested when you – so you studied theater in college. I did, although I, I went to Princeton, which was super snotty, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, like, there was no theater major. In New Jersey, right? In New Jersey. Yeah. But I, I, didn't, I didn't want to go and get a BFA. Mm-hmm. I, I was very clear about that. I was like, well, maybe I'll do that in grad school, but I – so I wanted to get that full-on sure. liberal arts, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Princeton's theater department, it was decent. It, it was better than Harvard's for sure. Huh? But – but it, you know, it it wasn't any NYU. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying. So um, it w- that was that was great. And then I went to graduate school at Trinity. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's called the Trinity Brown Consortium. And oh, by the way, yeah. in my class was a guy. We were at the time, I think, 25 or 26 years old. Mm-hmm. And all of us would say to him, "You gotta play Uncle Vanya someday. You are Uncle Vanya." And of course, as a 26 year old, he would say. I, that offends me a little bit, right. you know, because Uncle Vanya, if you know, he's a character that's kind of like he's kind of mildly depressed all the time. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't have good luck with women, but he worships women, you right. know, and, and we were like, you know, you got to play this part. Fast forward to 2018. I finally get this friend of mine, yeah. George Sonier. He's coming. He came out from Pittsburgh. He's in town for two and a half months and he's playing the title role. And he's nice. he's so good in this good. part. Oh, he's wonderful. born to play this part. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. I reread Uncle Vanya because I knew that we, you would be here. Uh-huh. And we were talking before you got here yeah. about Uncle Vanya. But I wanted to, before we get into that, what brought you to the Bay? Oh, so all to, oh, that's really, I can be very specific about that. Rob went to Yale Drama School as a director, and mm. then I went to Trinity as an actor. And when he was done, he got a Ford Fellowship to uh, study. Well, he's such a good spouse, my husband. Mm-hmm. I had said to him, you know, it's been my dream. I'd love to live one year in Europe for some reason or other. I think that'd be amazing. So he makes this grant to, he said, you know, to right. like help me live my dream. And he wanted to, he said he wanted to study Shakespeare in translation. Mm-hmm. So what does it, what does Shakespeare look like in German, in, right. in Italian, in French? Right. So we got this grant and it was for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was seventeen thousand dollars. That was mm-hmm. nineteen ninety six. Mm-hmm. We sold our car, and a friend of mine helped us buy a car in Germany. And we camped in a tent with a little one Coleman stove thingy, you yeah. know that little single one. Yeah. Uh, for ten months, we made that money just last, last, last. And we saw, we saw mm-hmm. so much theater. It's insane. In ten months, we saw we saw a lot of Shakespeare, of course, because that's right. a grant. But we saw the greats in, in the original languages. We saw Brecht in German. We oh, saw oh, Moliere nice. in uh-huh. French. We nice. saw Goldoni in, in Italian. Just incredible. And we went to museums. And then when we were ready to come home, we ran out of money. And we said, what are we going to do when we get home? And I said, let's start a theater company. Let's do it. Uh-huh. We'll do it together. And he said, but it's important that we live in a city that's like Europe. In other words, that it's liberal. Sure. And we'll accept theater that some might think is kind of freaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we just made a big list, and we did the pros and cons, and we took them off, and it got down to Minneapolis, where, where uh-huh. we're from, right. and Providence, where I had gone to school, mm. and, and San Francisco, and, of course, San Francisco. How could that not win? That's uh, well, yeah. it depends on the weather you want, I think. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I, see, yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> what, well, what, what year? It was nine. We moved at the very end of '98. And I taught music at the St. Philip Neri School in Alameda mm-hmm. the, the next year and got us insurance. And then we kind of got on our feet. And our first uh, show was my, my head was a sledgehammer, Richard, Richard Foreman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from, from New York. And we did it at the Fringe Festival mm-hmm. ah. in January of 
99? No, 99. But no, it wasn't. It was it was it was fall of 99. Hmm. I was I was at the French Festival in 99. I was you with, were? I was with a theater company called Bay Stage and oh, we did a right. thing called Run Jenny, which was about um a, a slave mm-hmm. who was freed by her master, master's wife, and master's wife gets killed. But it's it's fun. It's small world. You you were. I, they, I mean, there were a bunch. Of, there were a bunch oh, yeah. of shows That's going funny. on. Do you remember you had to stand in line in the tenderloin yeah. to get that slot, or do, or maybe Bay Stage did? Mm-hmm. Rob met a very good friend of his because they start they start at two a.m. Uh-huh. and they pinch it for each other if they had to go to the bathroom or get some coffee or something like right. that. And they literally stood until eight a.m. Wow. When Christina and Richard opened yeah. exit, and then and you came to get your slot. Right. And of mm-hmm. course. Standing in the tenderloin, you know that. Right. That's not. That's not why. So they stopped that. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. After that, that would have been years. that would have been crazy. That must yeah. have been fun. Now, was what what was it? The Cutting Ball Theater was is that what your company yeah. was called? Started from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. It was a uh, Rob had a um, a guy that he worked with, Kevin Oakes, who's a playwright, and he, Kevin had done this really really brilliant play called shining creature yeah. and there was a character in there called the cutting ball and the cutting ball was a, a guy who lived in shakespeare's time who like was a cut purse oh okay yeah and he in so he had read about this character and he named this character and then rob said oh, let's name the, the theater after this character mm-hmm. from shakespeare's time so it it's a little random how that came to be but um there where, we go where were you guys stationed because you guys i know you guys are at the exit at Taylor now. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm looking at a, a page, uh, poster right now, 100 Years of Sex Acts. Easton, we rented out the Exit of Taylor when mm-hmm. it first opened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just love the totally. space. And oh, now I do you guys too. are there. Yeah. Oh, God, I love but the But where were you guys beforehand? <coughs> we rented that space, of okay. course. We yeah. rented right. that when Taylor that space. When that opened, y'all, 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 I remember that. The reason was because you can you can move it around uh-huh. in any formation. Yes. Right. And right now, for example, I'm, I mean, like... It, we, we have our the new artistic director of Cutting Ball is Ariel Kraft. Oh, okay. And just I'm just gonna tell some tales. Sure. She was a student of Rob's at Marin Academy. Mm-hmm. Before he was able to work full time and run Cutting Ball, he right. worked half time at Marin Academy. Right. And uh, directed plays there and taught theater. And she was one of his students. So like how appropriate, right? She was like raised up on theater by sure. Rob, and now now she she was my associate artistic director for three and a half years, and now mm-hmm. she's she's running the program. Mm-hmm. But she has seen so many cutting ball shows and she said, you know, I, I'm going to do something for my fed rep. This is what I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to form it like this. So she, she shows me and I said, I, I do believe this is a new formation that uh-huh. no one has ever used this formation before. And Rob was so out of his mind when he right. saw it that he said, I'm stealing this. I'm mm. doing my time <laughs> and in this format. And so he stole it, totally mm-hmm. stole it from her. <laughs> but it's it's a very malleable space. It's only mm-hmm. 60, about approximately 60 seats. Right. So you, you smell the actors. Right. You, you yeah, feel right the heat of it. their body. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. So that's why this, I think this Uncle Vanya, I, y'all, I hate Uncle Vanya when I see it done in a boring way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like, it can be a downer. People are really complaining in that right. way. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, uh, in reading, rereading Uncle Vanya, mm-hmm. it's basically, uh, you know, you and I were talking before we got on mic. It's it's about um, you know there's a family foundation that right. in my mind is crumbling mm-hmm. right and Uncle yeah. Vanya represents an individual who has put you know time and effort you know he gives his life savings to make sure the fam the house right. stays family afloat house, yeah. right. and at the very end you know the the matriarch of the, uh, the patriarch of the house you're gonna give away the ending. Well, go ahead. Go no, ahead, no, give, just, just but don't, basi- get, don't give this away. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not going to mention that. But okay. basically, the father says, listen, I'm going to sell the house. Yeah. And this is a place where they've lived. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have to be Russian. I don't have right. to, you know, be well, into Russian farm. theater. 
Yeah, right. well, the farm. Yeah. But even, you know, like my, I have family members in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. Right. They've had their house for over 30 years, right. I've had over 50 years, a half century. Yeah. Right. Imagine if someone's like, hey, we're going to sell it. And you can use the money to live in an apartment or get a sure. condo or yeah. something like that. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. This is our life. Mm-hmm. Right. This is our home. This is our blood. You know, this we have have babies in here. Mm-hmm. We've, we've married in here. Mm-hmm. How can you think about? And so, of course, you know, he, uh, and to spoil the spoilers, you know, there's a mm-hmm. gun involved. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but no, I don't think anyone, no one dies. But he's, but yeah, well, he, this man who, sa- who tried to sell the house is not related to them by blood. Exactly. Oh, he was uh-huh. married to Uncle Vanya's sister. Oh, right. Reg and I were talking about the fact that. The Vanya sister is such an important character. And yeah. She's yeah. Not no, I know. Probably right? the most important character is well, the one who isn't, ACT isn't did there. It yeah. Way back in the day, ACT yeah. did it. And I fell in love with the play and, and Chekhov. Who was in it? Tell me. I, Do you remember? What I will say is the one I fell in love with, and that was Wendell Pierce, and he played the doctor. Mm-hmm. And this black man handling arguably classical material mm-hmm. um, with just ease and joy and he literally came skipping onto the stage at one point because he was going to see her and he was so happy. Mm-hmm. But it was such a black man. He was such a black man in that in moment. That part, yeah. But his, you know, his skills and his facility were were second to none. Mm-hmm. You know, he really understood the material and did great with it. Uh, the two lead actors were. Were Bay Area, you know, yeah. big names in Bay Area theater, and I don't want to say their names because I thought they were horrible. I yeah. thought yeah. they were up there working so hard to make, you know, to when you say serious. a war horse, yeah. Yeah. when these plays get called a war horse, what you're really saying is we must go, all go bow down to the, you know, the noble know. props of theater, and it's like this was horrible. They yeah. were up there trying to eat the scenery, and this other guy is breathing and dancing mm-hmm. on the stage and alive, yeah. and I yeah. was like, wow. And the set was what I loved also because they were doing the Magritte thing. So, mm. you know, big oh. rolling green hills. Oh, um, I think there was a piano embedded in, a, in the green. And, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was neat. It was wonderful. And it made me rethink how Chekhov. to approach Chekhov. And yeah. So. Oh, my God. Our set. <laughs> okay, I'll just tell you. It's yeah. two shelves that are like steel. Mm-hmm. And each shelf has two ladders in it. Mm-hmm. And they climb all over that thing. They, they, and the, we have a very minimal. So we have one chair, one table, and uh-huh. three stools. Uh-huh. So it. This is the beauty of being in Europe for that year is that we got to see these shows, and then we go back to in the Grotowski Institute. I took my uh-huh. Antigone over there, and oh. I. I think Eastern European theater is so out of the box, and they think things through in a really interesting way, mm-hmm. and not a, 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 a like a. What's the word I want? When when it's for reals, but something can be represented. Authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So so I we it's it's a it's a staging of the uh-huh. play that is very funny. There's no rehearsal when we are not dying. In mm-hmm. the you know the dramaturg and the stage manager and I are just mm-hmm. dying, mm-hmm. and it's also staged in a way that's very creative. It's like as this Wendell guy that you're talking right. about, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. People skip on, you know, and, and, and it, it breathes. I just said to them in the beginning, please, people, please, mm-hmm. let's be. But it's a tricky play because people yeah. are just bitching all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, you can't live into that. Yeah. You have right. to be happy about your bitching or, yeah. or people are not going to want to hear it. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's based in reality. I may have been written right. in 1898. Yeah. But these are issues that we're dealing with right now. Right now. Right. It's yeah, so yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, property. I mean, right. you know, like, look at the gentrification that's happening well, that's, here in San Francisco, yeah. the Bay Area. Yeah. Those who own property. I was talking to a friend of mine, a, a coworker, 
And he was like, hey, you know, how are you dealing with, you know, gentrification? I was like, no, no, no. We, me and my wife, we bought property, so we're doing well. And, right. and he was like so disconnected with the subject that I was trying to talk about. Right. I have friends who have moved from the Bay Area. Oh, right. oh me too. Many, there. many. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so Uncle Vanya talks about that because this is a man who's mm. disconnected from the family. He's not right. blood. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I need some extra money. So we're just me and my young wife. Right. Who yeah. was another disruption. Right. And, sure. you know, what's yeah. going on? Sexual yeah. disruption, uh-huh. all sorts of stuff. And, and also because like, she doesn't work. She's, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. To me, the whole play is about work. Mm-hmm. It, when uh, I, when right. I, in my youth, I thought yeah. it was. I just in my youth I love this play also and I thought it was about just so true to human behavior and sure. families. Yes. And of course I still believe that. But I think the crux of it now is why do we work? Mm-hmm. How does work fulfill us or kill us? Yes. And that's a big question. Or define the us. Yeah. Or yes. define us. Exactly. Yes. And then at the end of the play, everyone has to determine how much work is gonna do I wanna do, should I do, and uh-huh. is gonna make me happy. Yeah. Right. And I just think for me personally also, it's just a real big question right now and having raised my kids in the bay mm-hmm. those kids did their bloody homework until mm-hmm. like midnight or 1 a.m every sure. night. and i'm like you know when i was in high school i had a life yeah right. I, I did shows i did professional right. shows. i had friends mm-hmm. i you know i went to my opera lesson and i right. mean like they no they can't do anything mon- just sunday through thursday right and i did that to them you know, so why? <laughs> hmm, I made right. them work like that. So right. my boy is like, I'm not going to college. Yeah, I'm not going. And that's the frustration of Uncle Vanya. You talk about Uncle Vanya being such a dour figure, yeah. but I understand why he's dour. <laughs> like, um, who was the? I think Stanislavski did the original version. Yes, right. He acted in the original version, yes, and exactly. uh, there was another. I saw on uh, YouTube. It was a famous actor. I'm trying to think of his name. Who uh, did the 1963 film version? Oh. Um, you know, I may have it right here. Cool. Well, you uh, know, uh, Wally. Michael, Michael Redgrave. Oh, oh, he's such a good actor. Oh. oh, my God. You know what? George, he's playing Aravanya. He told me to watch that one. I was like, nope, not now, not now. <laughs> right. I, I will. No, I know. When I we know. open. You I, know. Just, I, I have not seen. I did God of Carnage a few years ago, and good I have play. still not seen Roman Polanski's. And I really want to. I've seen clips. Why? And I, I, I didn't at the time because I was doing the play. Oh, but now you feel okay. I, I would tell. I've been, I've been wanting to see it since then. The idea of. And I saw clips. The idea of Roman Polanski doing this and the fact that he does it in this almost claustrophobic way, mm-hmm. you know, with the camera just on people. And plus, I was playing a character who originally was, um, what's his name, James uh, Galdafini? Oh, yeah. The guy from uh, The Sopranos? Yeah, who <laughs> died, who died. Yeah. Right, and he died when we were doing the production. That was when he died. And so I'm trying to wrap my head around what I'm going to do with this role. And so I looked to see, well, who played it? And I'm like, okay, that is not useful at all. I can't be him. <laughs> it's and not. then the guy in the movie is some um, – he's an actor you see all the time. Like you'll totally recognize him. But he's also a big hulking guy. And yeah. I'm like, okay, not useful. Not helpful. <laughs> no. You and so be I careful. had to make yeah. it a totally – I had to come at the character in ways where it was clear the playwright intended that big hulking guy to be doing certain mm-hmm. moments. And I had to come at it in a totally different way, which made it wonderfully comic. But from the opposite end of the spectrum, it was just like, how do you make sense of this? Well, but yeah, you got to protect yourself. Yeah, it's it's you. You have to do it and make it work, and that's all. It's all. It's going to be great, you know. But, but yeah, no, I. I'm, mm-hmm. You guys say Michael Redgrave, and I'm like, I know that I will recognize him when I see him. I've heard his name forever, but He's so good. I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't associate him with yeah. anything. Oh, funny. What's what I find fascinating about He's Uncle British. Vanya. No, that I know. Like I picture Lynn Redgrave's brother, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. 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 <laughs> but I picture there's like a wheel, and the wheel, the spoke of the wheel, mm-hmm. is the woman who doesn't exist anymore. That's it's the true. first wife. It's true. Who has passed Vanya's away? Vanya's sister. Yeah. Vanya's sister. Uh huh. 
And we have Sonia, who is the daughter yep. right. of the mother. Yeah. Of, of course, she's woman. missing of the yeah. dead woman. Mm-hmm. We have um, the Maria, mother the of, mother of the dead of woman. The dead woman. Uh-huh. We have Vanya, who is the brother of the right. dead woman. Right. It the professor. Of, he reminds me of, uh, who, of Hamlet. Um, is it Laertes? Who is the sister, who's the brother of uh, Ophelia? Uh, Ophelia. Oh, Ophelia, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It reminds me of sort of like a Laertes, where Laertes huh. is is frustrated and oh. angry yeah. that these events have led to the death of his sister, right. and he wants vengeance. I, I get that energy from Vanya, and then of course we have the professor who mm-hmm. is married, who right. has entered this family, and to when this sister. woman dies, that wheel is disrupted. Yeah. Right. There's another spoke that's put in, yeah. which is this other woman, this 27-year-old, you know, harlot. Well, I'm not. I don't know if she's a harlot. But <laughs> she is so she, not. She, there's sexual energy. and <laughs> Yeletta, she, She's Yeletta. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's, beautiful. she's beautiful. And she kind of, yeah, she kind of messes she, And she definitely up. draws attention. You know, yeah. Vanya's got, you know, a little crush on her. Uh-huh. And yeah. the doctor, uh, Astrovic. Uh, Ast- yeah, Astrov, yeah. Astrov, Astrov. Now, yeah. here, here's something interesting. Yes, is that yes. Both women, there's only two, well, okay. They're, they're older women in the show, but two, two younger, younger women. Women are Sonia and Yelena. Yelena's yes. supposed to be just like people are like, oh, can you believe how beautiful she is? Right, oh, she's right. the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And then with Sonia, they don't say anything about her at all except she's a good girl. And then right. she has this monologue where she's like, I'm, I wish I wasn't so plain. And I really wanted to make a statement in society. Have you guys ever seen on the internet and YouTube? They they did this thing with kindergartners one time where they had a teacher come in. Uh, both were women, white women, long brown hair. Mm-hmm. They were wearing the same dress, right? Uh-huh. But one was tall and slender and pretty, and mm-hmm. the other was little, you know, little chubby. I would say, mm-hmm. and kind of on the homely side, right? Okay. And so the same group of kindergartners, they they taught they taught, uh, I think, an English lesson or something. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, they interviewed them and said, "What do you think of of Miss Smith? And what do you think of Miss Jones?" And they're like, "Yeah, Miss Smith, she's good teacher." She's so good. She's one of my favorite mm-hmm. substitutes I've ever had. Miss Jones was okay. Like, really? You know, and the only difference mm-hmm. in them, and they, 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 they filmed both these women teaching. Sure. They're both very adept teachers. Okay. But the only difference was one was kind of chubby and homely, and mm-hmm. one was thin and mm-hmm. pretty. Right? right, right. And so I really wanted to say something about society yes. in yeah. that sure. way. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. someone who says, ask for a favor. Could I have a little more right. avocado exactly, yes. on my, you know, and the, absolutely, you know, if it's a pretty woman. Right. And if it's not. But I wasn't able to do that because the woman who won Sonia hands down at callbacks mm-hmm. Is is pretty. So I, but she she's so hilarious and mm. just understands that part. She just she nailed it. Okay. So the costumer and I get together. Like, right. what the heck are we gonna do to make her look as gunky as possible? Right. Yeah. The Yelena's beautiful. She's a beautiful mm-hmm. woman. So we got that in spades. But I, you know the 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 girl Haley who's playing Sonia, very good looking. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to make that statement. I right. wanted. Yeah. 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 Just not being able to be noticed if you're in line mm-hmm. and have your yeah right. It's it's fascinating. I mean, I remember being a kid and uh, you know growing up in the 70s or whatever. Farrah Fawcett was just oh front yeah, and she center. was the icon. All, the poster. Yeah, yeah, just poster child. And I remember being oh my gosh, she's so be. And I remember having a conversation with my mom mm-hmm. before she passed away, and um, as a kid, and I remember the pain look on my mom's face, mm-hmm. being a black kid, right, looking up. At this blonde, blue-eyed, right. white woman right. pushed by society, you know, yeah. Pinnacle angels, yeah. And it's one of those things where, yeah. what? How do we decide beauty? 
unless it's to- you know sometimes it's told to us sometimes right. it's a beauty that we recognize right. just organically yep 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 but it's it's tearing away mm-hmm. these uh, you know societal things mm-hmm. and and commercialism and you know you you want to buy a product What's the advertising company right. going to do? They're going to. Pretty as a matter of fact, you had uh, posted something online. This is something a little off topic mm-hmm. about was a white supremacist group. Oh, the, that's the stupid. family. Oh my God, I'm so happy about this. So yes. some, and I forget the name of the group, but this white supremacist group has put out a family photo with a flag in the background. Mm-hmm. They sepia colored the whole thing and they put up their little. They hate us, is what it says. Yeah, it's like so, it's like the Brady family. It's like a beautiful family. They're all well, smiling. So it turns out a yeah. friend of mine, mm-hmm. somebody, and it's so funny. The comments were just a wonderful discussion. Somebody said National something. Alliance. I, National, National Alliance. National Alliance. Yeah. I said, well, maybe somebody can figure out where this is from. So a guy found it. It's Shutterstock. It's a you know, it's just what one of those things. He found the photographer and let him know about this association. And so I'm thrilled. I'm like, okay, not only did you do that, so yay for you accomplishing that, but you just showed a bunch of people how easy it is to do that. Mm -hmm. So you see something, you think it's offensive, and you think it's being used in a way that was not intended, Mm -hmm. and you can get in touch with the people who could shut it down. Down. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And remember the first question I asked when I posted it on it was like, Mm -hmm. I wonder if the actors know that their image is being used. And that's what will kick things off. It's funny doing the research on, I promise we're going to get back to Uncle Vanya. That's fine. But well, and we should start wrapping, too. We should, we're we're oh, way over we, an hour. Are we going? We're way over an hour. Well, we're an hour now. Yeah, we, we okay. will wrap it up. But the National Alliance comes from the National Youth Alliance, mm-hmm. which used to be a fundraiser for George Wallace. Mm-hmm. And when George Wallace's campaign ended, right. that group that continued on. Yeah. So that's it. But uh, back to Uncle Vanya. So I, you know, the the woman who is is the missing spoke. Right. That creates a disruption. But also, we were talking about in this time, 1898, we have a monarchy in Russia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we have mm-hmm. socialism and Marxism, which is sort of right. becoming a thing. Yeah. Right. And Uncle Vanya reminds me of an, uh, a worker, the yeah. worker who is, um, va- uh, you know, who was striking against. The establishment. Well, he's a highborn man, but then he he has to work right. uh, mm-hmm. very very hard his whole life and earn nothing. So right. in the, he he's he's a juxtaposition in because he he's upset. Like he has this whole monologue where he says, "I had talent. I could have been somebody." And mm-hmm. yeah, and you you ruined my life because I worked to support you. He exactly. says to the professor. Yeah, you know, really good point. But uh, somebody said on the cast the other day, "Oh, just he said to Sonia, who's like supposed mm-hmm. to be like twenty four at the end of the play." Just mm-hmm. wait, dear. You'll. It's only a matter of time before the revolution, and you will be able to get out of here and mm-hmm. go have a life of your own. And I was like, wow, I need to know more history because I, uh-huh. yeah, I didn't, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, it, we haven't mentioned www.cuttingball.com Absol- September 21st. We will plug that, yeah. Through yeah. October 21st. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll put up a link. We will add yeah. a link to this. And yeah, and we've actually, we had the link for the last couple of yeah. podcasts. Yeah, that's true. So we have been, been talking been about it. it, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So, Ridge shout is a big fan. Uh, birthdays, always. Scott oh, Munson. Oh. Scott Munson. I got to point him out. Yay. His birthday is today. Great playwright. Where did I? Where's my list? Oh, ooh, list come on, here. come on, come on. Uh oh. As a matter of fact, I'll be going to a baseball if game with Scott. Go, I had my phone just crapped out on me last week, and I've had to go back to an old phone. This old phone just does not. It doesn't do what my new. I didn't realize yeah, that my new phone mine's had not gotten. Doing well either. 
Um, yeah, this is I want to do a shout out birthday Please. to Ariel Kraft, who had a birthday last week. She's running Cutting Ball now. She's doing such a great job. Maria is uh, just getting nothing. This is horrible. So I'm, oh too. I'm getting nothing. <laughs> there it is. Okay. M- Melanie. I ba- just don't go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. Go, go for it. Okay. Melanie Bandera Hess. Her birthday is today. Uh, she is with the Ross Valley Players. I believe she's doing Twelfth Night. Oh, nice. Which is uh, going on. I don't know where I know her from. Uh, oh. uh, we just had, uh, well, we talked about this. Um, on Friday, Carrie Ann Roscoe, we had her. She was our last right. guest. That's right. A great actress. Great. Uh, her birthday is a fri- was Friday. Uh, let's see. Christy Newsom, a fantastic actress, uh, used to be in the Bay Area. Now she and her husband has a, um, a theater company in Connecticut, I believe. Oh, how cool. She was our uh, Debbie in Delhi Does Dallas the Musical. <laughs> Awesome. And her birthday was September the sec- is September the second. Micah Vega, who is uh, he's acted on um, Theater Rhinoceros. Mm. His birthday is September the fourth. Uh, who else? Uh, Simon Kaplan. He and I were. Uh, he's a he uh, runs a theater company for kids, and he was an actor and a tech guy for um, for uh, EastEnders. His birthday is on Thursday. And the last, I think that's it. That's it for me. Yeah, you said Scott. Yeah, it's Scott Munson. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica Smith, who uh, is the mom of triplets, so I don't know that she does any theater anymore. Mm. But um, uh, she was an amazing actress. We, um, I knew her for years, and then um, Oakland Public Theater got to hire her to do Finding Claire. And it was a wonderful play that um, the playwright had written a play about an adult adoptee reconnecting to her birth family. And the dad, who was out of the picture, it was a exchange student from Ecuador. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Then she could be mixed race. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the playwright had never considered that. It ended up being a lot of fun. Erica huh. played the uh, the young woman. Um, Susan Jane Harrison's birthday is the second. Um, wonderful Bay Area actress. Uh, Linda Tillery, who I don't know so much as an actress, but an amazing musical force in, Bay, in the Bay Area and has been for a long time. Joya Corey, who uh, does improv classes and acts. She was actually, Joya was in the same show. I didn't realize their birthdays. Looks like their birthdays are like almost the same day. That's cool. Yeah. Do you guys know Aishan Chalik? She's a, she's a, a really great actor. She's in the War of Roses right now at Cal Shakes. Oh, no. Wow. She's, she's wonderful. She, she teaches in Abu Dhabi at NYU, but lives mm-hmm. here and works here. So she's done shows all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then Alicia Combs, who uh, uh, works in PR at... Um, at Cal Shakes. I love Alicia so much. She used to work mm-hmm. for us. Paul Loper, best actor. I love him so much. September Yay. 10th. I don't know if you guys know Paul Loper. Uh, those are mine. Uh, Lauren English Clark, who works at SF Playhouse, works at. <laughs> there's no way to describe what mm-hmm. she does, but she's, yeah, a major force there. Uh, Tracy Held Par- Potter, um, who is a playwright and kind of back and forth between the Bay and LA. Um, really helped Play Cafe to start to think in a new way that has been great for new works in the Bay Area. Mm. Um, and Stephen Bass is my last one. Okay, um, right on. Let's uh, pump shows. Of course, we we're going to pump Uncle Vanya, which is at the Culling Ball Theater. Will oh, be. Oh, I have one. Yes. It might be on your list, though. It's Kiss at Shotgun Players. Oh, oh no, I didn't have that. Oh, mm. you guys, that's that's the best new play I've read in the last 10 years. Oh. Nice. It's such a good play, mm-hmm. and I was jealous that they got it, the yeah. rights to it. But uh, Everin Ochkin is directing, and oh, uh, Elissa Stebbins and Wiley Strasser are in it, and it's a great I heard play. that name, Elissa Stebbins. Yeah, she was yeah. she was in all shotgun stuff last year. Mm-hmm. She was in our uh, um, 
our season two, twice. But it, it is such an interesting play. I can't recommend yeah. it enough. It's 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 tr- I can't give it away. It's a sneaky play. So you can, okay. you know if you talk about it too much, then well you're going to give away the, the reason to go. Say mm-hmm. this is a sneaky play. Yeah. But it's supposed to be set in <coughs> in um in the states, but talking about the Syrian conflict. Oh right. Nice. Okay. It is actually very funny, mm-hmm. and it is. Very clever. The ki- I would highly recommend it to everybody. Kiss at Shotgun. I'm, go- I'm going tonight. Nice. Cool. Um, okay. Well, um, the complete works of William Shakespeare or Bridge, that's an actor's ensemble of Berkeley, that will be running. That's running already now until September the 3rd. Um, Crystal Brown, who was on our uh, podcast, oh, right. episode mm-hmm. 62, she's directing that. Sunday in the, oh, park, right. with yeah. Sunday in the park with George uh, at the SF Playhouse. That's running until September the 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about Uncle Vanya, and I'm going to start pumping my thing. Four men in Four Paris, men in Paris, October 12th through mm-hmm. the 14th. Yep, uh, and that will be at the Douglas Morrison Theater, uh, produced by Plethos, and we're having a great time uh, rehearsing. And that is about it. Did you have a good time, Paige? Oh my gosh, I had a great time. Thank you so much. I know uh, there's so many places awesome. we could have gone beyond this. I'm like, I love. We know, often we ask people about. Um, how they see the world of theater, how they fit into the Bay Area scene, and how they've seen it change. Cutting Ball has definitely been a major part of bringing, I don't know, just um, different perspective. a smartness to mm-hmm. um, our stage, a challenge. And, um, and it's great to hear about the things you guys are doing in the Tenderloin. Holy cow. Yeah, thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We're celebrating 20 years. Uh, September, mm-hmm. we're having a big gala. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, yeah. one, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, we'll push that as well. But when are y'all going to get equity? Uh, <laughs> I know. That's, that's a tricky That's another question. Tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good question, though. I wanted to push. So there's a there's – a, um, Puerto Rico – this gets into <coughs> current events. Uh, oh, Puerto right. Rico is still uh, very, very devastating. This week, right. new figures have come out as to how many people have been right. actually uh, killed. And I have donated to uh, uh, a company called Juntos y Unidos por Puerto Rico. They provide assistance to individuals and small vis- businesses who are devastated by mm-hmm. Hurricanes Irma and Marla. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, Maria. And uh, Christy Newsom, who just is having her birthday, that's part of her. That's one of the oh, things that great. are happening with right. Facebook. People right. are celebrating their, yeah. Yeah, they're celebrating their birthdays the birthday, by having yeah. people contribute that's to great. causes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is a wonderful cause. Uh, although is. what's happened in Puerto Rico happened, the event happened several months, maybe even a year ago. Yeah. Right. But they're still su- struggling now. So. Well, and maybe we can shame the federal government to exactly. stepping up and continuing to offer some assistance since mm-hmm. we barely did anything. Houston yeah. got all their power back in seven days. Right. Exactly. Right. Hmm. So, so, you know, that's, right. that's yeah. unfortunate. That's so that's a cause that I'm going to plug in there. And that is it. Okay. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. So click on iTunes. Click on Store. Use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and you can search for the Yay. You can find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm at Reg Clay. Uh, you can find Norm on Hoosier Hoosier. Do you have a uh, um, a Twitter thing? Do I you don't. do that? No. <laughs> Our website for cutting ball. You said it. Before. Yeah, it's exactly. www.cuttingball.com. Yeah, and we'll have the link there. And uh, yeah, hit us up and uh, tell us what you think. And we, we gotta, gotta find, find a better, better sign off. off. And we're out.